Welcome back to Single Minded, where we are flipping the script on being single. I am your host, Hannah First, and my mum, Linda, is joining me again today. Hi, Linda. Hi, Hannah. Hi, everyone. So I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to start today off with a little bit of nostalgia because for anyone that follows me on Instagram, you would know that I have been clearing out my memory boxes. And Mum is the most sentimental mother like you've ever met because you wouldn't know it by listening to this podcast. You think she's a bit of a bitch. But anyway, <laughs> she legitimately kept every single Christmas card, birthday card, lunch orders, every single notice from the school, like insane what you kept. My favourite was the little tram ticket, Hannah's first tram, because I was very (laughs) anti you guys going on the tram until you're in senior school. Cute. (laughs) Helicopter parent. And there was a bit of foil in all the packages and I thought, oh, this must just be rubbish. So I opened the foil up and there is my dried up belly button. Well, that connected us. You could have at least labelled the foil Hannah's umbilical cord. Like it was. Have you kept it? Yeah, I kept it, but I put it in a, like a normal person, I put it in a, like a plastic (laughs) Plastic sealed bag. bag. Maybe I was trying to preserve it. Is it all, all kind of crinkled up and gone? It's, it's crinkled up and gone, but there's a little bit of dried skin. It's disgusting. 32 years old. (laughs) Now, the best, the best thing that I discovered was I found a, I had to do a French project when I was 17. And for my French project, I was a bit old for this, but I did a, I did very a, a immature. Whole, <laughs> I did a whole project on my marriage to Colin Farrell. I had a look at it, but it was all yep. in French, so I couldn't yeah. understand any of it. But the pictures were nice. Uh, it's just really funny because we do this podcast single-minded now. You know, it's it's almost. 14 years later and I I don't even really want to get married and it's just so funny that I was so sucked in by this fairy tale princess of marriage. Yes, it was very traditional and I have to I say know. your table settings, my goodness, they were <laughs> over the top. Over the top. Anyway, I've got a lot of Tiffany diamond rings and it says Mon Mariage, which is my marriage by Hannah First. I'm going to post the photos to Instagram because I can't really – describe to you how ridiculous this whole thing is. Anyway, there's the invitation, which is Madame and Monsieur first and Madame and Monsieur Farrell. They have the pleasure of inviting you to the marriage of their children. It's all in French, Hannah and Colin. And I have superimposed my face onto Britney Spears' face when they went to that, (laughs) when they went to that (laughs) event together. Anyway, this was 2005, we were getting married at L'Hôtel de Crillon in Paris. Oh, well, only the best. Only the best. I don't know who was paying for that, (laughs) Colin Farrell, I suspect. I suspect. Anyway, I did a fake news article announcing the marriage, which had quite a few red marks on it because I had fucked up the French. The best thing in here was la conversation avec ma parents. I can't even speak French anymore. So basically this was in French, me and mum on the phone and me telling her that I was getting married. And I just want to read a little bit oh out. So maman, allô? So that's hello. Hannah, bonjour maman, ça va? So I'll just read it in English if I can still remember my French. So I said, hi mom, how are you? And mum says, I'm good, thanks, how are you? And I said, very, very, very good. <laughs> and then you say... You seem happy. Why? I say because dot dot dot. I'm getting married, and you say <laughs> you say 
oh mon dieu, avec qui? So, oh my God, with who? And I say, avec Colin Farrell, of course, with Colin. (laughs) (laughs) You said, I'm very happy for you. Anyway, it keeps going on and you say, au revoir, Anna, et Felicitations. So congratulations. Thank you. Bye. That's <laughs> that is the letter that I sent you. Anyway, today we're speaking to Eleanor Hadley. She is the queen of sensuality. That is her bio on Instagram. And she's a sensuality coach. And we're going to be talking all about guess what? Sensuality. Sensuality. <laughs> right, let's get into let's get into the interview. <laughs> Eleanor Hadley is known on Instagram as the queen of sensuality. Her aim is to guide you to embody your femininity, enhance your sex life, and elevate your relationships. She's also the founder of Sensualista Flow, which is a movement practice set to sexy movement, which sounds right up my alley. So just to give you some background, one of my listeners had heard me talk about my holiday persona, which my friends call Henna, and she sent me a message saying that she thinks that Hannah and Henna may be my masculine and feminine energy. She actually mentioned her friend, which was Eleanor, and said she was a sensuality coach. And I really firstly just want to know, welcome, and what is a sensuality coach and how did you get into it? Thank you so much for having me. So a sensuality coach, it's, I mean, it's something that I created, but I've always been very enamored with sensuality and all things sensual. And so in my work, what I do, as you said, I work to empower people, especially women, to embody their femininity, enhance their sex lives and elevate their relationships. And through coaching in sensuality specifically, we work at deep presence. We work at becoming really aware, being of the senses and tuned into our pleasure. Mm-hmm. And how did you sort of get into the field? It's a bit of a story, but I I used to own a pole dancing studio. I had that in Melbourne for four years and then I sold it. And I sold it because I had the idea to create my movement practice, which is a bit of a blend of the exotic floor work elements from pole mm-hmm. and then more of the introspective self-awareness side of yoga. And so I kind of created this practice and I wanted to get that out there And through that, naturally, I was talking about sensuality all the time and someone suggested I'd make a great coach. I studied life coaching. Naturally, my niche was going to be sensuality. And from there, I've just kept studying and sharing. And now I'm also a sex educator and I teach my movement practice as well, which I absolutely love. Let's get on to what actually sensuality is. How would you define sensuality? Like what is the feeling? I believe that sensuality is to truly be of the senses. It's about being deeply aware of and connected to your internal world, your external world, and your interpersonal world. So that is your thoughts, your environment, your actual physical body, your pleasure, and also in terms of your relationships. So when we're more sensual, 
we feel connected with our innate femininity. We're connected to everything around us and just more present. As well, sensuality is similar in some ways to sexuality. I think that you can be sensual without being sexual. You can be sexual without being sensual. But when you combine them, when you've got a deeper awareness of your sensual being, and connection to your innate sensuality, your sexuality, your sex life is just going to improve beyond measure. Do you see any, I guess, through your coaching, any themes that come up around their connection with their own sensuality? Absolutely. Something that a lot of my clients have told me is that they feel almost numb from the neck down. Mm. Like they live constantly just in their heads and in you know, the masculine world, which is logical and rational and critical and it's very ordered and that they lack connection with everything that's below. That is mm. their body, their movement and how they feel. And so because of that, a lot of women tell me that they struggle to feel deep pleasure, struggle to orgasm, struggle to actually feel worthy because our society conditions us so much to see our body as something that must be fixed and there's an ideal way for it to be. And so many women just cut off completely and they don't allow themselves to feel pleasure in their bodies at all. Mm. Well, this is a really good segue into the masculine feminine because the friend that I spoke about before that got me onto your Instagram account and introduced me to what you do, I could never pinpoint what it was and why was I so connected to my body whenever I'm on holidays. Like I'm so, something just completely shifts, big shifts in really short spaces of time. So she had said that you would require more of your masculine energy at work. So confident driven goals, which is Hannah. And then you allow your more feminine energy to take over on holidays. So go with the flow, let things come to you softer and more vulnerable. I'd never even heard of that before. And my friends had always put a label to this holiday person as henna. So I'd love for you to explain the henna, henna, masculine, feminine energy. Absolutely. And she's so right. The masculine and feminine, we we use these terms to describe energies. And it's really important when I talk about energies and masculine and feminine that we recognize that they're not actually gendered. It's just about that energy that we're putting out. So what we see as masculine energy can exist in anybody regardless of sex and gender. Same with feminine energies. You can also call them, you know, yin and yang, go and flow, things like this. Mm -hmm. It's just the the space holder. Oh, I like that, go and flow. Yeah, mm. and that's what you've probably got. You know, you've got mm. Hannah who is at work and is the go energy, getting things done, thinking rationally, whereas Hannah on the holidays <laughs> is just flow because we yeah. don't need as much structure. We just need to, you know, enjoy and be present, right? And so these are what these energies are. We can't have one without the other. We need both. Our worlds would be totally chaos if we had pure go or mm. pure flow. In our world, we live in a patriarchy. We are very go leaning. So true. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> when you say that, because I always want to quit my job and go move to Thailand because that's where I have all my flow, but you're saying you need both. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. You need both. They're complementary. You know, they go hand in hand. And the way that I describe masculine and feminine energy or the go and the flow is almost like one is a space holder. It holds space for you. And the other is surrender. And I talk about this a lot when I talk about sexuality, but imagine that you have a glass, just an empty glass that represents the go, the masculine, its structure, its form. Then you've got just like some water from the tap. Now, if you just turn Mm. the water on the flow, it's just going to flow down the sink and it has nowhere to you know, go. If you just like pour something down from a bottle onto the ground, it's just going to spread everywhere. It has no direction. Mm. But if you pour it into a glass, it's got a container. It now has somewhere to be. It has some structure. You can then like splish and splash that glass around. You can, you know, twirl it around. You can do whatever you want with it, but it has somewhere to be. And so when we use both of these energies at the same time and have them supporting one another within ourselves, that's where the magic happens. And Mm. as I said before, you know, we we live in a patriarchy. We're very much go-leaning. We live in capitalism and we have a lot of internalized capitalism where I think a lot of us feel pressure to go, go, go and do, do, do. And we're only allowed to stop when we're on holidays. Mm. We only give ourselves permission to stop, mm-hmm. but if we can balance it, I think everything would be a bit more juicy. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And why do you think that I have more luck romantically, right? I'm probably just more open to it. So it comes in a bit more easily, but that always happens when I'm on holidays and I'm in that flow space. That's when the magic happens in my love life. And then at home, I just don't have the time, space or energy to like, you know, have that lightness about me. So dating becomes incredibly difficult and annoying and I totally check out from it. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. Dating on holidays is something else. <laughs> the best. So before I answer this, can I ask you, what kind of people are you dating? Like when, when it's on holidays, like who do you find yourself attracting? I definitely attract more like of the spiritual seekers, people that are much more aligned with that person that comes out, I guess, on holidays. And then people that want to have very long, vulnerable, deep conversations. And even if it's just a short-term thing, you you know, you can have quite like a magical night. Mm. And then I I guess the people that I attract, I don't really find that <laughs> like in Melbourne, you know, guys don't just come up to me in the street like they do on holidays. Yeah. Or they don't just strike up conversation on the beach, you know, that kind of doesn't happen as much. So like it's more online dating probably or being set up. So that's not really attracting someone. It's more of a numbers game. Amazing. So, okay, my (laughs) thoughts on this, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for just Mm. being more relaxed, having more time or more perceived time to date. But like you said, it's not like you're actively going out trying to you know, swipe and find a date, you're just being approached. And what's happening here is feminine magnetism. Mm. You're dropping into your flow state, into your femininity, into your sensuality, probably. You're enjoying yourself. You're really dropping in. And that 
especially to the masculine, if your feminine energy is released, the masculine energy is going to be like a moth to a flame. They are going to be so magnetized to that (laughs) because that's what they crave, right? And when I say the masculine is attracted to that, that's regardless of whichever body it's in, but that masculine energy, someone who has a core energy that is masculine or a go, they're going to see that and be like, oh, I want that. I want what she having you know that's that's beautiful that makes me feel safe and it makes me feel so attracted to it that's probably what's at play you're allowing yourself to just surrender and be in flow and the masculine can't help but be drawn to it (laughs) I guess what I really need in that case is some practical tips for being more sensual every day regardless of whether I'm on holidays or not There's so many ways that you can bring sensuality into your life every single day. And remember, sensuality is to be of the senses. So sometimes I say that sensuality is akin to mindfulness, but it's kind of like mindfulness 2.0. It's mindfulness with an embodied twist. So rather than just being like, oh, okay, I can see the sunset. That's pretty. I can feel wind. Cool. Like, and it's not just observing, it's actually taking pleasure and like reveling and savoring these sensations. Mm. So in practical terms, you know, wake up. First thing I do is I put like my hands on my body, on my skin, and I just kind of give myself a little, like, it's not even a full massage. It's just like a little touch and a little like, oh yeah, yeah, this is my body. Okay, cool. Feeling grateful for that. Do some, you know, nice breath work. When you hop into the shower, like rather than just quickly soaping yourself up, take some time to see the the suds, you know, um, really feel the touch of your hands along your skin. The most powerful way, one of the most powerful ways is self-massage. So again, get out of the shower, put some moisturizer on or some body oil, Again, rather than just rubbing that stuff all over, like take some mm. time, give yourself a massage, turn the lights down low, put some candles on, put some sexy music on and like have a little boogie, dance naked in the mirror, you know, things like this just allow you to just get in touch and really appreciate your body, but feel more present in it. And I, I mean, I think that's so powerful for me. Movement is one of the the keys like if i've stopped dancing then i've lost it i've lost all the flow why do you think movement's so important oh movement is such a game changer it's about like you're actually moving energy through your body when you're when you're dancing in particular you know if you've done yoga you've probably heard every time they get you in pigeon pose they're like oh we store emotions in our hips and so if you feel a bit emotional that's okay like that's true we store emotions and trauma in our bodies, in our muscles. And so by moving, we release them. But the difference here for me and what I teach, I teach sensual movement. It's feminine movement. And so Mm -hmm. rather than being rigid and masculine and linear, you know, up and down, left and right, like going for a run or lifting weights or doing like, you know, a warrior two, This movement, it's about the feminine, which is circular, it's rounded, it's fluid, it's flowing. So dance and my practice of sensual least of flow, it's about 
flowing and allowing that energy to just move and express mm. in the way that feels most embodied to you. Can you tell me a bit more about Sensualista Flow? What does the practice involve? Yeah, absolutely. So I created Sensualista Flow through inspiration from my roots in teaching exotic floor work and pole, and then my inspiration from yoga itself. So the movements are deeply feminine in nature. And when I say feminine, it's that rounded, circular, fluid, flowy kind of motion. The practice itself is very grounded. So we're not really standing up and dancing around. It's more about, it's essentially rolling around on the floor, but with style. Um, <laughs> and it's being able to really deeply connect with yourself. Sounds good. It's a good time. It's so much fun. And my students just feel amazing. It's very inspired by floor work, which is like a pole term. Yeah. We maybe occasionally stand up, but it's like on the way back down. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, and that's really important for me because I think that being grounded is so important for us, especially as women who tend to be up mm. in our heads, like get into our bodies. And in mm. my classes, when I teach in person, lights are down, candles are on and there's no mirrors. It's all about you do what feels good. Yeah. The mirror is so distracting. The mirror really gets you out of your body. Absolutely. I find that in yoga, just like can't stop staring at myself. And I'm like, oh, now I'm in my head. Exactly. Because that's where perfection comes yeah. in in comparison. And yep. you're like, we don't need any of that. Yeah. This is not what it's about. Mm. Now, I really wanted to talk to you about, I saw you had a podcast episode about slow living and I definitely want more slow living in my life. Maybe I call it more simple living because I'm the happiest when like everything's simpler and I don't have so much stuff. Can you explain the concept of slow living to the listeners? Absolutely. There's definitely a lot of definitions of slow living, but to me and in my, my work, being that of sensuality, I feel as though slow living and sensuality, they go hand in hand. And so slow living is about being connected to enjoying your experiences rather than just ticking off the boxes and just doing busy work, really tapping into what do I really want to get done? What is important to me? And how do I enjoy myself? And prioritizing those moments of joy and presence. And also like allowing yourself to just live simply and not do too much. I, I think that there's definitely something to be said for boredom, you know, of like, oh, yeah, I don't need to pack every single moment of my life and constantly distract myself mm. in those moments that we are not being distracted. We can actually connect in with ourselves a lot more. And then there's another element of slow living, which is more about sustainability and, you know, being really conscious of where you're purchasing things from and, not buying into fast fashion and fast food and, you know, just actually taking the time to live. It's living mm. simply, just like you said. Mm. Yeah. And, and how do we infuse slow living and sensuality into our daily lives? Well, where to begin? Mm. Where to begin? With slow living, so this is something that I'm really, really working on embodying this year. Ever since I moved up to Byron Bay as well, it's been 
a game changer. It's really allowed me to just slow down. Mm -hmm. And so instead of thinking of all the things that other people, other entrepreneurs are doing, I've really tried to pare it back and think, what do I love doing? I love speaking. I love teaching. Okay, I'm going to make sure I focus on that, but I don't have to tick off all the boxes. Mm. So it's kind of looking at your to-do list and taking off more than half of it, like 80% of it, like that. All of that's just busy work. Mm. It's about finding the things that bring you into moments of presence and bliss. So for me, like waterfalls, beaches, going for hikes, going out into nature, that's where I just feel so expansive and I feel so like, I feel so lucky in those moments. When I'm out in nature, like standing underneath a waterfall, I'm no longer thinking of all the things that I should be doing or what I don't have and other people have. I'm not comparing. I'm just like, marveling. Yeah, so true. Yeah. It was so interesting. I just, I went to this like tiny little town in Queensland. I was there for a week and I was staying in this kind of like shitty hostel. It was just very, very, very basic. It's like the happiest I've been probably in 12 months. I would just get up in the morning, very, very slowly get up, go get a coffee. And like, I've been very blocked like creatively this year because of lockdowns. It all just came rushing back to me. I think that's why I was really wanted to interview you because I saw the stuff about slow living and sensuality. And I was like, it's so true. It like opens up, I think, way more creativity. It really does. I've experienced the same thing. As soon as I slowed down and stopped pressuring myself to do everything and prove how much I was working and just only worked a few hours a day. I was like, oh yeah, the ideas are flowing. Yeah. I think (laughs) I feel good. And, (laughs) and like I said before, that's, it's magnetism. Like things will flow to you Mm. when you're in your joy and you're actually just enjoying yourself instead of pressuring yourself to just do. And you can't, you can't create under those rigid structures. And again, if we talk about the masculine and the feminine, that's, that's hyper-masculine. That's like too structured. And we can go on the spectrum where we're at the toxic masculine and we're at that level that is just suffocating you. And that's what we do to ourselves creatively when we're like, oh, I have a deadline and I have to do this and I have to just turn things out. Mm. And like, I, I don't have space to think and be inspired anymore. We need more femininity. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely need to figure out and I haven't figured it out yet, but I have to figure out how to bring that energy back with me home. Well, thank you so much. This was Really, really interesting. I think like intuitively everything you said, I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, that that's exactly how it feels. It's just like so good to put some language to it as well. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So Linda, what did you think? Well, initially when you said the topic was sensuality, <laughs> I thought that's not actually a word in my vocab. <laughs> But I did relate to some of her practical tips. I can't even say this word properly for being more sensual every day. So 
actually when I wake up, I do do self-massage, but it's on my tennis elbow and I'm feeling <laughs> not so very grateful that it's probably due to age. But as you know, I do love body oil in the shower. Yes, you do. Yeah, and I use it every day religiously. And just as a BTW, I bought the spray bottle that you get at the supermarket in the cooking section and I fill it up with baby oil. Although... Today I've gone a bit more bougie and I filled it up with your hand-me-down sensory shower yes. oil. Yes, good. Lovely. I'm glad. But I have to say I have to stop short at dancing naked in front of the mirror. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? My full-length mirror in the bathroom is a fat mirror. Am yeah, I allowed to use that word? It's a it mum's mirror in her bathroom makes you look double the size. I don't know why you installed that mirror. Well, at least five kilos heavier. I don't know what the hell that mirror is. And then I like the idea of sexy music. What's your favorite sexy music? Oh, I, oh yes, yes, yes. If anyone has seen Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling, there's a song in there called it's by Penny and the Quarters. It's called You and Me. And that was always going to be my wedding song. Like everyone that I knew knew that was my wedding song. I don't know it. Sing it for me. You and me. No, I'm not allowed to sing. If anyone knows, Hannah's got a terrible voice. That's not a good <laughs> idea. You. I'll link it in the episode notes. It's a beautiful song. What's yours? So my absolute favourite sexy song is anything by Barry White, but especially Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe. Do you know that? Okay. Yeah, I, know. I oh. definitely know that one. <laughs> I put it on yesterday, get me in the mood. And Eleanor's tips on yep. slow living would be great, except for me I have such long to-do lists. And actually yes. I find cleaning and organising very relaxing and I recommend you put on some Barry White. It's just not enough. And you can slow dance your way through the chores, feeling very sensual and sexy. How's that? I disagree. I think you need to put music on and close your eyes and not be doing. Oh, really? Yeah, you need to get chores. in your body. You need to get grounded in your body, Linda. Barefoot. All right. We'll agree to disagree. We have to. Now, I have an update on NLH. <laughs> so, I've been saving. Um, oh, this- I know. I know you guys went and you haven't told me. This was me at the restaurant where last week's new local hottie was. Okay. So, thanks for the video, and I'm going to watch you now. Okay. Oh, you're eating. Oh, very messy. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. Can't attract a mate like that. Gets worse. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Is it hot and spicy? No. Oh, it went down the wrong way. It went down the wrong Basically, I choked on my food. I was not, yes. I wasn't graceful at all. No. I agree with you. Definitely an NLH. Yes. If anyone has some NLHs that they want to send in, please send me an Instagram message at Hannah First. But that's not an update. Was he there and did you go up and speak to him and get to the bottom of it? No, I didn't speak to him, but I did go. I was too nervous. He He was too beautiful for me. Anyway, that's it from us this week. So we're going to have our latest 
dating story. And I just want to give a little shout out to our listener from last week who recorded her weird dating story and all her dates food issues. And I do want to say on my first date with dad that we discussed all our food dislikes, no fish, no mushrooms, and it was a match made in heaven. Yes, that's very, very true. Mm. But the difference was she's a foodie and he... He had a few too many weird things anyway. Although I reckon it's the same as me. I'm just as bad. (laughs) If you have a weird or wonderful dating story or your worst dating story ever, email through a voice memo to singlemindedpod at gmail.com. We might not have them every week, but when we get a really good one, we're going to share them here. So here's this week's dating story. So my wonderful dating story happened when my sister, who is a avid user of Hinge, convinced me to set up a profile because she said that the amusement that some of the answers to the questions brought you was worth being on the platform, even if you didn't end up going on a date ever. It had been a really long time since I had been dating and I was like, I'll just try this to get back on the horse. I had been talking to a couple of people but wasn't really feeling it and then I matched with this one guy and we had really good chemistry when we were talking and it seemed like it was going really well and he asked me to uh, meet him at a bar on Brisbane's waterfront and I was convinced that I was going to screw up this first date just because I'm so awkward. So I was telling my friends about how nervous I was and they decided that if this date was going to be the shit show that I thought it would be, that they would at least come along and salvage the afternoon by being at the bar next door that looks into the bar I was going to, and I could meet them there for a drink when this date imploded. So right before the date started, they sent me a picture of them sitting at the bar with whale-watching binoculars watching my date (laughs) as it was unfolding and playing Uno and waiting for me to join them. But... That didn't end up happening because nine hours later, we wrapped up that date. We had a nine hour first date and we had another date set up for two days later. And now 18 months later, we're engaged and we'll be getting married this year. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.